Welcome to the Foundations podcast series, where we build our present on the foundations of the future. On each episode, we'll feature either an educational, tactical guide or a special guest whose story will help pave the way to a stronger foundation in life, business, and beyond. This show is sponsored by the SalesCast community, a place where entrepreneurs and sales leaders build revenue-first podcasts. Join the community for free at salescast.community. Everyone, this is Chris Decker. Welcome to a, a, a special episode of the podcast. I've been a client of Kenny Borg's now for the past three months, and I invited him into the studio today to discuss what the process was like being his client and him being the coach. Um, but but also to bring you into the journey. This is going to be part reflective, part actual session. So I, I'm excited where we go with this today. Mm. Yeah, me too, Chris. Thanks so much for this unique opportunity to explore this with you on recording and uh, for what I'm sure is going to be some vulnerability and some deep diving. And I, just, I have to thank Kenny, seriously, from the bottom of my heart for driving through LA traffic to get down here this morning. Um, that itself is uh, a labor of love. So thanks, man. <laughs> thanks for having me. Yeah, um, you're, you're more than worth it. So awesome are you open to starting with a little breath work to drop us in yeah let's do it okay so we'll do a, a four seven eight breath so it'll be a four second inhale and a seven second hold and an eight second exhale okay right. we'll just close our eyes sit spine straight and go in for four hold for seven Exhale for eight. In for four. Hold for seven. Exhale for eight. In for four. Hold for seven. Exhale for eight. One more round. In for four. Hold for seven. Exhale for eight. I feel better. <laughs> I feel way better. <laughs> Where should we start? Well, I, I suppose I, I'd like to to get your feedback on, you know, you know, what did you see in me as a, a client in the beginning, and then just what kind of growth did you see me go through? I'm interested in, in hearing from from you. Mm. to share with the audience <laughs> okay all right so you're the type of client that every coach dreams of having because you already have such a level of self-awareness and you're so ready to do the work 
right? you're, you're coachable, if you will. Yeah, so like the ideal client, and I was really excited to work with you for that reason. And so the growth, we only worked together for three months, and you know, some of the deepest growth comes like in continuing to work together for six, nine plus months because we we just go deeper in our relationship and the trust that we're able to establish. So in three months, there's only a, a certain measure of of growth that I can really put on such a short timeline of working together. But with you, it was more about the the major roadblocks of of things that have been present in your life for a long time that you maybe weren't looking at or were avoiding that we surfaced pretty quickly and moved past pretty quickly. So in that sense, like to move past some really big hurdles and, and blockers and energetic drains in your life, I think those typically are the biggest growth points in any coaching relationship. And I think we did that on session one for you in a really big way. You did that for yourself. So that was really amazing that we were able to drop in so quickly and, and go there and that you trusted me on call one to to share something that was deep for you that, that you thought maybe you didn't even want to bring up in our coaching engagement but you did and and we moved through it so yeah just super proud of you for how you you came to battle every coaching session ready to to dive deep and you didn't hold anything back Oh, thank you, man. And I think what set the stage for that really was um, you came through a trusted friend and we were introduced that way. And then you were actually a guest on his music show. And I got to learn a lot about you by hearing your journey through that music show and to sort of just feel your presence that day. And... Uh, and I, I I remember thinking to myself afterward, I made some sort of comment like, oh man, I don't even know if I'm cool enough to be your friend. And then that's, it sounds so weird, but it, it uncovered a lot for me uh, in terms of where, where I was like, well, why, why would I, why would I feel like whoever is coming into my life is not supposed to be there because I'm not something anyhow. Um, I feel like you, you, you picked up on something. I, I showed you like the vision for my company and, and, and some of those things. And, um, we, we just, we continued the conversation and, and then you offered to come down to, to meet me in person one day. And we met at a park because my, uh, my electric scooter had broken down and I couldn't make it to the physical location we were meeting. And you brought uh, a didgeridoo and an open heart <laughs> and just started asking me questions mm. and i don't know i i your your energy and your presence just felt very safe and receiving like you didn't have any motives other than to be there to help and i i just started to open up and um and i feel like you also knew what to do with that like you were you were prepared and so even before we jumped into any sort of coaching relationship I feel like the groundwork was set for a mm -hmm. lot of trust from the mm -hmm. beginning and that, but also to your credit, as a part of onboarding into becoming your client, you had these worksheets with, with a, a lot of detailed questions. You also happened to hit me at the right time where I was doing a lot of journaling. So I decided to journal through each one of the questions and 
I just decided to put the hardest things on the form because I said, well, I might as well get the most out of this. So I'm going to give you the impossible ones. Let's see what you could do with them. Okay. <laughs> do we do we knock them all off? Do we get the job done on those? I think I think we did. We we got the job done on them and and more. Um I had sort of jokingly put in also as an objective that I wanted to learn how to backflip, but really the objective <laughs> was to feel more physically fit and i definitely feel that way today so awesome i would say that all everything was checked off much yeah to- <laughs> yeah there's not many things i see on an intake form that intimidate me but the, the backflip did just because of the you know the, the real medical risk there like I, I can't do that and wouldn't strive to try to do it um but maybe maybe we can continue to work on that together <laughs> I, I, <laughs> I, I do feel like we got to, to, to talk about it and it really was the manifestation of just wanting to take care of my, my body more. And so I have been yeah. in that habit a lot more. Yeah. 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 Well, I appreciate what you said about, you know, the, the process, the warm introduction, the intake and the flow. And I don't show up to every first client meeting in person, let alone with the didgeridoo. Um, but as you mentioned upon our first meeting, you know, I saw something in you and it really was, it was your heart. And so I could just tell that this is somebody that I can experiment with and, and have some fun with. So, you know, I went for that with a didgeridoo and we did some sound healing in that first session. And, um, it felt really good, you know, to incorporate something different, which I, I typically don't bring the, the music side into the coaching domain. So thank you for opening that up for me and, and giving me an opportunity to do that. I definitely hope that you bring more music into it because feeling the, the vibration of the, the instrument and uh, I don't know, we just, uh, we don't hear, I don't hear analog instruments very often. I hear overly electronic, mm-hmm. you know, distorted sounds all day and to hear a real sound sometimes is a little jarring but in a good way so yeah um and and just to touch on the point yeah call number one biggest issue on the table which was um um a, a former investor for one of my companies um i'd taken on the the debt of the investment after the company didn't make it as a personal debt and was not obligated to do so and for years i struggled with confronting this person and 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 saying i can't do this and there was a lot of um there was a lot of codependency issues in there a lot of communication issues a lot of um a lot of anger and resentment um toward this person but on that first call I, I, I told you, I, I remember like, I remember we, we went through this exercise of what are the core values of the call that you want to have? You know, what's the feeling that you want to go through? What happens if he goes in this direction? How are you going to bring it back to those core values? And I remember wrote, writing those out. I wanted to demonstrate love. I wanted to demonstrate acceptance. I wanted to demonstrate understanding and to find common ground. And literally that evening right that evening i i i made the call and went through the discussion because i felt so prepared to take it on 
with 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 the guidance from earlier that day and voiced my you know voiced what was going on shared brought brought the conversation back to those core values and it, it really worked and it's not like it was a magic trick or or or, or anything it was get, getting getting clarity on just bringing the humanity out of the conversation and in many ways just taking action on something that had been postponed for years and I, I don't know how else to describe it, but the next morning, this huge feeling of like liberation. There was a there was a huge energetic vacuum in my life now, where I I, I found myself dealing with more difficult conversations with ease because like the big one had been knocked out. Yeah, if that yeah. makes sense. Yeah. How long was that big one present in your life prior to us having that conversation? <sighs> Three years. And how often did you think about that? Almost every day, like a looming, just energetic suck. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. What were the emotions that you would feel when you thought about it? It's, it's fear, especially when it comes to finances, when it, when, when there's, when there's, um, loose ends and fear in, in money that it, it, it feels like at any turn I could lose everything and this this fear of like of of my livelihood being taken away this fear of i don't know this 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 fear of legal trouble this and 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 all these fears just just living with them there that literally took maybe an hour conversation to work through and then those fears aren't there anymore but but those fears when they're when they're 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 eating me are are so are so real it really mm -hmm. does feel like yeah. it really does feel like those things are happening even though they're not right yeah you literally feel it in your body and then i would imagine that anything in your life around money had that energy attached to it yeah everything yeah where it it, it was all under coercion yeah and and, and that's a it's a rough feeling <laughs> yeah yeah so what happened for you in our hour conversation that changed all that? What happened what happened for me was developing a sense of preparation, developing a sense of what I stood for and what my true voice was in the situation. Um because I because I didn't know what my true voice was in the situation, having the courage to tell you first before sharing that with someone else, it took I don't know, maybe, maybe a little more, a little less, but either way, it was, it was safer to examine the situation with you versus going into it cold by myself. Um, you know, you were really clear about, um, helping me find the solution, you, you didn't like give me the solution. You, 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 you brought it back on, you brought it back to my side of the table, but in a, in a really good way. Um, that's how I would describe it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think that's, you know, really the art of coaching is, you know, the core value of, of most coaches is the client is resourceful and has everything they need already inside of them. So from my perspective, it was just a space for you to explore, how you really felt and, and what your values were on this topic. And also, if I recall, we, 
we did some work around separating your identity from the person who got into that relationship in the first place. That's absolutely right. Yeah. The, the person I was when I got into that commitment is not the person that I am today. And that constant toiling, that constant battle is energetically exhausting, you know, continuing to be held to that, continuing to be gripped by that past person that I'm, I'm over here and and I've, I've changed. And so letting, letting that, that past go, not necessarily forgetting about it and shoving it under the rug deeper. It, It really did feel like a, um, I don't know, like breaking up with my past self even and and integrating it into today. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, integration, I think, being the key word there. It's like everything we've ever done in in the past or will do in the future is is a manifestation of, of where we're at at the time, you know? And sometimes our actions and our decisions lead to real material happenings in the world whether it be debt or a poor relationship or a bad business decision. And some of the ways that I I really like to focus on moving past those things is realizing that like we're human Mm -hmm. and like giving ourselves permission to be so, which most of us don't. Hmm. There's a lot of wisdom there. Mm. (laughs) (laughs) So, we can take this uh we can take this a few ways but but from there um from there the next session and and the next session um i i would i thought i think the next session was more of a you know looking back on how on how removing that block had freed me up and and i was telling you a lot about those changes um but then the 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 following session i remember you know, you, you, you were asking me in the beginning of the call, hey, what's something you'd like to get out of today? And I, I said breakthrough. And, you know, what does breakthrough mean to you? And, and I brought you a, a difficult situation um, that was related to a lot of shame and guilt that I was holding on to from the past, um, from going on 5150 psychiatric holds as a, as a teenager and the just the sort of shame that I was carrying around, feeling outcasted, from society, like just the, the, the hurt around the experience. And, you know, we, we kind of just went through this process of going deeper and deeper and, and ultimately just kind of got, got to the root in my past of feeling outcasted, even, even younger, um, like, you know, going through, like feeling an experience of being in a, in, in a, in a classroom in, in like third or fourth grade and just, and and speaking to that inner child and, and giving them the reassurance that he was looking for. And you, you helped me find find the words. And, you know, there there was, you know, I, I cried and, and had a big release of emotion and like, you know, my body started to clear up a little bit. But what happened what what happened next is you said, Okay, hey, what's you know, according to Brene Brown here, you're gonna have a little bit of a uh, a vulnerability hangover, <laughs> mm, yeah. Because it, it there was a, a there was a lot of trust exchange there to like, okay, I'm gonna I'm gonna share these things with Kenny and like this is like my deepest darkest secret kind of thing. 
um, and you you guided me through that exceptionally well. So you, it's just thank you. Um, You're welcome. Thanks for the, the courage to go there. The, the hangover happened. Yeah. And and you know it. I would say in a proportionate amount to the 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 sort of block that was released. And so what what happened from there was because you had sort of given me that tip hey this is this is something you you want to look into like you know Brene Brown um, the vulnerability hangover I researched it a little bit found out it's very common for me to then sort of feel the emotional roller coaster afterward as I Mm -hmm. reintegrated this this into life Um, and I continue to go to to my recovery groups and just continue to share this particular part of the story with as many safe people as I could to uh, to to start to to start to normalize it. It took a couple of weeks, mm-hmm. but now the, the 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 weight of that is is pretty much gone, and that happened like wow. in a coaching session. <laughs> wow. Yeah, and I'm you know super grateful that you have such a community of support around yeah. you because when you you resurface stuff that's that deep, yeah, it it can be jarring. And I think on a biological level, like a vulnerability hangover is similar. If you take five shots of vodka, like you're gonna have a hangover. Mm-hmm. If you take five shots of your childhood trauma, you're gonna <laughs> feel that too. Like you you know there's on a neurochemical level, there's something happening when you're 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 opening up these traumas that are stored in the body and. And you really feel them uh, in a very physical way. Yeah, this this particular experience proved to me that emotions are physical. That emotions are like the language of the body. Absolutely, it, it proved yeah. that to me, like 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 a like scientific. You know, I, I now have evidence. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and that's why when we talk about embodiment, it's. It's our ability to tune into that language, that language of the body, and start to speak it and start to let it guide us. Mm-hmm. And you're very good at that. Thanks, man. Um, it didn't stop there. Like, had we accomplished those two things in three months, I think that would have been it. Would have <laughs> that would have been worth it, right? Um, but 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 each time I, I I would I would show up and just kind of give you some fodder for what's happening. And, and several times I wanted to really just stay in my head. I wanted to just, I wanted to just stay on a linear path and just logic the heck out of my life. And you just have this way of saying, yeah, you know, that's, that's okay. But like, what do you really want to handle today? And, and, and bring it back. And initially it's like, man, (laughs) um, but it, but that was the that was the coaching part it is it was was being able to kind of see like hey all right you know put put that down but like let's 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 look over here and you you kept you kept it really focused and you know we covered topics like like leadership and my business partnership and and and, and leading a team and a culture in my company and you helped prepare me for conversations in business and we we went and we went in so many different directions and and part of that also just was just a, a demonstration of the, the the breadth of skills that you've developed too as a coach so definitely thank <laughs> yeah thanks chris i mean again you you are the ideal client you make it really easy but i appreciate those kind words and it, it's not very often that 
these conversations are had on recording so like i'm really grateful that we're able to explore this together and and i think it's worth exploring a little bit yeah what what is a coaching container because you're you're explaining all these things that happen to you on a financial level and a personal level and in business and 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 you've noted the the skills that i have to to lead you in that um but for me coaching is is really not about leading it's about i like to say leading from behind Hmm. and so you're you're really doing that leading and i have a certain perspective on what happens in a coaching engagement but i'd really love to hear from you being in the seat of the client because i think it can be really helpful to people to understand coaching and how to use it because that's a lot of times the blocker to people you know not ever having access to a coach or the desire to work with one because it's such a kind of ambiguous thing and there's so many different types of coaching in the world so Mm. i think it could be helpful to talk about that well i think you know when when i think of the the word coach um one of the first things that comes to mind is like a coach from the sports days if if i if i wanted to get better at any particular sport you know and 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 whatever whatever period of life i was in it was like the coach was pulling the team and 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 the 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 coach was noticing my blind spots the coach was giving me feedback and whether or not i liked it it was it was making me better now this showed up for me very specifically when i attempted to do an ironman triathlon attempt because my first was definitely an attempt and I attempted to do the training myself. I attempted to do the diet myself. I bought the plane ticket, got the Airbnb rental, bought the bike. I was there. I showed up there on race morning. But I also was act, like actually hung over that day, had not eaten properly. Like I was definitely not in shape to take it on. And I did not finish the I did not finish. And it was it was like it was really it really hurt because I'd literally flown my family out to like watch me cross this finish line um talk about ego right and, and so i i decided to, to to come back and do it again the following year except i did i, I made one change is that i hired a coach hmm. and coach pam nichols she watched me she watched me swim she says what are you doing like you're not exhaling underwater what do you mean i'm not exhaling underwater she taught me how to exhale underwater and all of a sudden I'm swimming properly. Okay, stop stop bending your elbow and I'm swimming more efficiently. Uh-huh. I'm on the bike and she teaches me the 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 right pace on the bike. Like, okay, no no no, you you need to sing this tune in your head um and then just follow the the the, the beat of that tune. Oh, while you're running, like you're going too much on your heel, bring it bring it more onto the mm-hmm. the balls of your feet. And, oh, here's, here's a, here's a better schedule for you to follow. And she's looking at my data and saying, man, like it it looks like on that last lap that you're, you're going a little, a little too, a little too fast. Like you need to slow that down. And guess what? That year I finished, I finished with time to spare and I did cross the finish line, but had I not had that, that coach and that voice and coach Pam was very annoying at times. (laughs) But but annoying in like the best way possible because because she, she could she could see these things that were that 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 she that I could improve upon so easy so much better than even I could I mean I was probably so bad that like I could have pulled a random guy off the street and he could have helped me become better but <laughs> but like to have a real professional 
showing me what was, you know, what's the right way to do it. Um, that, that just changed the game. Yeah. A- and how could I not approach business or life or any area where I want to grow with the same mentality? If I, if I, you know, I've worked with a self-awareness coach, you say I'm very self-aware. Well, there's been a coach there that, mm, that got that. me to do Myers-Briggs and yeah. Colby A index. And it was in a, it, it, you know, it was, it was actually someone that like just kind of noticed it. And, and anyway, and, and so any, in any of these areas, um, have, having a coach, a, a guider, a, a mentor, a, a some, something, someone that can help you find the right things to model. Well, I don't know. Maybe I could have learned how to finish one of these races if I had been at it for like five years, mm-hmm. or just you, you know. I, I, hopefully, that's making sense. Yeah, no. Th- <laughs> like, thank you for the very practical. It's not a shortcut. I want to be clear. It's not a shortcut. It's like this is how we're supposed to grow as human beings and being community. And the, 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 the master has an apprentice. The apprentice learns for the skills needed in order to do the thing, you know, for the tribe. And then now that person's another person that can contri- contribute to the tribe in that way. We're supposed, we're supposed to pass on knowledge like this. Yeah. It's very That's natural. Beautifully said. I mean, <laughs> it is, it, it's, it's our, we, we developed, you know, over thousands of years in tribal settings and, and that culture is where we evolved. We evolved in that culture. And it, you know, it's only since the industrial revolution, since we've had these nine to five, like working in a box under bright lights that, that we've changed that really. And, And so coming back to that culture of we all need to be supporting each other. We should all be coaches, and you are, right? Mm-hmm. And and I I know you support a large community, and I have many coaches myself. And and that's when people get discouraged, you know, when they're getting into coaching or looking into having a coach. There's so many coaches out there, and so many internet marketers, and all these things. But I really think it's great that everyone wants to be a coach because it means that more of us are going to have these skills for supporting each other. And yes. that to me seems like a better world. Uh, one, one, 100%. And I almost don't understand any negative stigma toward coaching whatsoever. Cause I, I just have not had a bad experience with, with that. Um, you know, my first job at a high school, other than being a summer camp counselor. So I went straight into that, as a counselor for underprivileged youth, mm-hmm. that was a whole story by itself. But then my first boss was a business coach, Jonathan Goldhill. And he, th- he threw me into this world of coaching immediately. And I listened to all of his client calls. He showed me all the books to read. He's still my client. He's still my client today, 10 years later. It's, it's nuts. Um, the, uh, but the, 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 the interesting thing is I, I just, I just never, I never had a, a bad, Experience. I, I don't understand the, the the bad internet marketer thing. I mean, when I when I see coach, I, I just I just see the the love of all these people in my life, all these mentors in my life that 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 helped me go. You know, just took my hand and 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 and, and brought mm-hmm. me to uh, the. You know, 
I don't know, just being like a, a, a scared kid on the street, not sure how to get home and, and someone just, you know, saying, oh, I'll show you the way. And, and there's been so many people that, and, and so how could I not now want to go do that for other people? But it, to have more coaches in the world, why is that? That's not bad. You know, as we continue to, I guess I'm getting a little heady right now, but as we continue to automate all these job functions in our life and replace them with technology, we're going to only have the choice to get closer and closer to our root humanity. But if it's, it's just going to, it's going to require turning some of the stuff off. What is Um, that for you? When you say root humanity, um, not staring at a computer screen all day, (laughs) uh, speaking with other people, you know, um, being vulnerable to, to, to others and allowing them to help like it. And, and, and simply asking for help is very hard because mm. we're. I, I feel like we're, I feel like I've been conditioned to adopt this very Machiavellian kind of mindset of like, I need to figure these things out myself and use these routes of manipulation to get what I want. And if I get the bag and I get the girl, you know, I want in life. And just like, what did I win? Yeah. Uh, <laughs> you're, you're tapping into, I think, conditioning that that we all feel and have come from and many of us are still in. So I'm glad that we're talking about this. Well, how how could we not? You're a kid growing up in the U.S. today and these are the right. movies you watch. Yeah. These are the these are the role models in life. How, how could you not adopt that mindset? Yeah. Yeah. And so it's a it's a mindset of not being able to ask for help. Like the idea of asking for help we have a lot of adversity too because we're not the strong figure doing it all on our own and like we have to get there and we have to climb the mountain and right. we have to get all the you know material things on our own and it's great if that's like what you want in life is to have a nice car and a nice house awesome we reward that though it's it's, it's rewarded highly <laughs> and also most people who actually get there had a lot of help along the way there's not a whole ton of people that just say oh no just me i'm going to do it all on my own and and not have any support along the way and so i, I think this is mm. important for you know people listening to hear is it's okay to ask for help and furthermore, like you with the marathon, you saved yourself five years of training by hiring a coach and getting it done yes. in one year. Yes. Hmm. It wasn't even one year. I I, I, had, I had tried to do it on my own for another nine months, reached a point where I'm like, I literally just can't do this. And I remember yeah. Googling OC triathlon coach and just and, called the first then, number. And, <laughs> then came Pam. Yeah. That's awesome. So, so you mentioned that she was annoying at times. Yes. Let's dive into what that was and how it supported you. It, it came up in the, so the, the kind of coach that she was, was like, she could be the mom that you always wanted, but like, and then also like be the mom that like, you don't really want at that point. You, you really don't want that kind of mom right now. <laughs> like, mom, stop it. Yeah. Um, just being in the pool lap after lap, you know, exhausted and tired. And then, you know, my, 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 st- my stroke is off and I'm, I'm starting to like tilt to one side and then, you know, she'll just like, you know, st- stop. Hey, what's going on? You're, 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 you're leaning to the right. Like, you know, how can we adjust this? And to me, it's like, can't you see I'm tired? And like, I'm, I'm going through this and I'm doing this stupid drill that you're having me do. But then I, I could catch myself in the moment, like, 
no, th- th- this is like she's the professional here. Like mm-hmm. if she's saying even when I'm at my breaking point and I'm tired and I still need to focus on form, like, okay, yes, it's annoying, but like I'm going to do this. Right. <laughs> Yeah, I I think you're tapping into most people's mental block around getting help because I think at least subconsciously we know that when we ask for help that we're going to get it and it's probably not going to be easy and it's not always going to be comfortable as coaching isn't. Yeah, well, it's going to be painful um, and I, I think there's always a natural aversion to pain, but I think I've personally learned a principle that sometimes short-term pain is long-term gain mm-hmm. and and putting off the, the the pain of change has huge consequences in the future it, it becomes really really bad if, yeah. if you don't change yeah to bring it full circle to where we started this conversation you had spent three years thinking about this this situation with financial debt and yes had that not been worked through in our session just think about the continued effect of that in your life and for how many years that would have continued on right and and that's when we we sacrifice avoiding short-term pain it actually perpetuates it far longer right it's gonna have to be dealt with anyway um i learned this lesson only after not drinking for now for two and a half years of, of sobriety was that I used alcohol and, and other substances as a way to numb the pain of something that happened. And I still had to deal with it the next day, except now I had to deal with it hungover. And so I could only half-ass mm-hmm. it. And then the only solution, because I didn't properly take care of it the previous day, was to then get drunk again so that I wouldn't have to deal with it again. Um and just continue to put that off. And, and it it only created more and more problems. (laughs) Looking back, I can see that pattern. But today, um, today, not allowing myself, um, the, those easy way out, it's, it creates a little bit of additional pressure to like have to go through some short-term pains. But I, 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 I am a walking testimony that doing the work it's it's actually not as bad as what i can make it up to be in my mind Hmm. is that five minutes of intense of 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 intense emotion is really is not as bad as three years of worrying about that (laughs) that's suffering those those three years are suffering yeah this five minutes is being pruned as, as i could describe you know like gardening like just pruning the dead branch off so that something new can grow yeah so what is that something new like what's on the other side of the pruning the pruning would you say new energy to to be released uh, like a, a a literal energetic vacuum that can be filled with anything it could be filled with more negativity or it could be filled with additional positivity but if if i'm already doing the work toward good the odds of that vacuum being filled with more good are a lot higher and and just being intentional with that that new space and that new energy if that makes sense yeah yeah it does totally it does but when when that vacuum is created it works really fast and 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 um 
but it's also it's also very good. It's it's good to create new spaces. Like if you know, I would say if I were now in the seat where I was coaching someone or I was trying to describe the benefits of pruning, is that if you're feeling stuck, like nothing's growing, it's because like the pot is too small. You know, their roots don't have room to expand. Like you might need a bigger pot or you might need to cut off the dead branches or you might need to shake the leaves because the spiders are eating the plant or the, you know, you you may need to water the plant a little more. (laughs) Yeah. So if you're, uh, let's, let's touch on alcohol a little bit. Sure. As a recovered alcoholic, I'm asking because. Recovering. (laughs) Sorry. Yes. Thank you for that correction. As a recovering alcoholic. I think you can give me some advice because alcohol comes up in pretty much every client relationship I have. Uh, You know, if you grew up, especially in America, you likely have a relationship with alcohol. And so that relationship is is very often something I explore. And personally, I'm a, you know, one glass of wine a month type of guy, and it's really good wine. And, And at this point in my journey, that's what feels aligned for me and is nourishing to me. And, and I'm a believer that everything is sacred hmm. if you want it to be. And so that glass of wine is, is a sacred spiritual experience for me. Uh, and that's the type of relationship that I have with alcohol at this point. Coming from a went to school in the United States, partied like all the other college kids nonstop, and a long, long journey of, of unpacking that and letting that go. And it often comes up with clients where we're doing that work and and just reevaluating the relationship that they want to have with alcohol. So what I'm really curious about from you is this work of going in and, and being coached and working on yourself and diving into things that have been holding you back for a long time. What role does alcohol play in the value that that work can reach if alcohol is involved? Uh, I need to unfold this question into the the moment that I decided to stop, which was um, after a moment of very intense. Um, I was I was operating at a much higher level, serving a large community of people. I was on a team serving 15,000 people that are all there to sort of transform their lives. And uh, not sure if you've ever walked over hot coals, but when you do that, it's quite an experience. And, and it, it, you know, as a human, once you've faced such a huge fear and you get to the other side, that sort of the, 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 the discipline and then this eruption of energy afterward, um, there was, you know, I was, I was, I was standing in between the the exit from doing this fire walk with all these 15,000 people. And then I was standing through this one doorway in the LA convention center, along with the other team of people that were guiding people back to their seats. It was like 1am. They need to get their stuff and then go home for the evening to come back to the seminar the next day. Mm-hmm. And people are just erupting with energy running toward me. Um, and it was all very slow motion. I could see like this person needed a hug. This person needed a high five. This person just like they were just, you know, uh, and and I and I, I just remember just standing there rooted like a tree. And the the stronger I remained rooted, the 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 higher this spiritual consciousness came over me. 
and I was I was higher than I had ever been with any substance or any drinking or or anything, but like on a on a on a spiritual plane with people, and you know, fifteen thousand people coming through that entry. That's a lot of people. I don't know how long it was. I don't know. You know, people are grabbing onto my arms and throwing women into the air, like, you know, kissing them on the cheek. You know, this, this I mean, it's, it's, an, it's, it's really, really an experience that following the end of that weekend, I'd made some very strong relationships with, with, with other people that were serving as well. And we were all sort of celebrating by going to a bar afterward in downtown. Mm-hmm. And I, and I did something that. I, I normally would have in a social situation. I ordered a, a double Jameson on the rocks and here comes this, here comes this glass full of drink and it's, and the waiter spills a little bit on me and it smells foreign. And I, and I remember sitting in front of me just looking at it and I looked to the door and some of my new friends were coming in people that were like very pure hearted, like they didn't drink either. But like I had, I had really felt a, this I, this identity of my person, and I, and 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 I, I asked myself like, who who am I? Am I, am I this guy or am I? And it was such an easy decision for me at that point. So I gave the drink to someone else, and that was that was it. I was done that was, forever. That was your last drink that you I didn't was, have. I was done forever. It was an identity shift. Right? I was no longer that yeah. person. Yeah, that person was implanted into me. I never asked for drinking. I never asked for alcohol. It was it was it was pushed on me from the the first beer that I had as a as a kid seeing um seeing my mom and 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 her friends drinking to you know pledging a fraternity and getting blackout drunk on natural ice you know after duct taping the windows with black trash bags because they didn't want to see what they were doing they didn't want people to see what they were doing to us the culture that that we grew up in as men in this country i was part of it too you know and i and i and 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 you know waking up on a couch in a in a pool of vomit and like almost being that being celebrated like that just that that continued and and this this pressure to you know uh, our our mating ritual to 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 have drinks and to buy drinks and to do vegas and to and and, and i don't know man it's just i just i i didn't want any of that anymore i i didn't want it and and i know that um i know that there's there's no way i could be receptive to any of this right now if that toxin was still in my life yeah there's just no way yeah yeah and, and at this point you know from my perspective you're living a very aligned intentional life filled with joy and fulfillment and you're connected to passion and you love a lot you just have a lot of love to give uh, and certainly i'm feeling those things myself at this stage in my life and if I was my 25 year old self, you know, <laughs> drinking every night of every weekend, I certainly wouldn't be. And, and I don't want people to hear this and say, Oh, like these straight edge guys, you know, cause I have a lot of friends, a lot of dear friends that are still in that world that are still going and, you know, blowing a bunch of money in Vegas. And I was there too. And everyone's on their own path, you know, and we'll, we'll come to it in their own time. But as those who have made it through, to the yeah. other side of like how good and sweet life can be outside of using alcohol to find your peak states of being. I think we have a bit of a responsibility to, to share that down the line and yes. to support those that are still in that world. And, and 
most people aren't in integrity when they're drinking alcohol to excess and being drunk often. And they know that, and it probably doesn't feel good to be in that state, but they don't know how to get out of it. And and so hearing a conversation like this can be very triggering. It's like, oh, well, F you guys, like, I'm still here, and I'm really struggling, and I don't have anyone to help me. And and so to bring it back to our earlier point, yes, my what I'd like to get across here is just ask for help. Yes, just ask for help. This could manifest. This could be manifest in a variety of other problems in your life. You know, if if you find yourself, I'm talking to guys here and girls. If you find yourself always in fantasy land, watching porn every day, and it, it and it's that's that's the same thing is this this numbing of the senses in order to escape and to self-medicate that's when it's that's when it becomes destructive and the compound interest works against you if you're going downhill one percent every day it's going to add up over time on the alcohol i want to talk to one more group of people which is the intellectual or the creative where you hear that ernest hemingway Ernest Hemingway would write when he's drunk and edit while he's sober or or the 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 artist that needs to constantly be high in order to produce their best work. I'm going to tell you right now that those are that's mythology. These these are I would say that that's not that's not real. Today sober, I am my most creative and the most in touch with my work than I've ever been. Mm. I'll tell I'm going to speak to that person right now is those are those are are crutches to get you into that state. But I will tell you that that is a bastardized state. It's, it can be better. <laughs> Thank you for sharing that, Chris. I think if, if one person hears this and it sways them towards making decisions that are more in integrity for their life, then this was worth the time for sure. Yeah. I'll, I can, I'll get off the soapbox. <laughs> yeah. How are we doing on time? Uh well, we're we're going to be hitting an hour here, um, so we should probably wrap this pretty soon. <laughs> How should we do so? Um, I don't know. Is there is there is there anything else on your mind, Kenny? Anything that you any sort of message that you'd like to share? Mm-hmm. Maybe to the person exploring coaching, or or maybe being called to become a coach themselves. Um, yeah. Yeah, I think if you, I'd love to speak to that person. Sure, both of those people. If you have something that's calling you in your life, the most important, yet sometimes the hardest thing to do is to just take the first step and and step into action around that. And the and ultimately, what you're doing when you have a future desired state that you'd like to achieve or a future version of yourself, a higher version of yourself that you'd like to move towards, you're shifting identity as Chris did when he was moving away from a person that got into debt and, and, and rooted a poor relationship and poor financial decisions into a person now who is more aligned and in integrity. There's an identity shift that happened there. And that's all that's happening when you're moving out of a past version of self into a new version of self is you're defining a new identity. And and people talk about the dark night of the soul. That's the in-between phase of those identities oftentimes. It can be very scary. And what what makes it dark 
is that you don't know what the other side of it looks like. It's like you're in the middle of a black hole and it can be very lonely and confusing. And this is the process of identity change. And by all data and research, most people are going to go through this process two, three, four times in their life. And, and the best way to do so is to a ask for help, but also not spend too much time trying to figure out what it needs to look like and trying to figure out what the other side of the dark hole looks like. It's taking the baby steps and trusting the process and knowing that every single conversation you have, every book you read, every potential client you talk to or potential coach you interview is data and feedback to further form your new identity. And if you use it as such, then literally every conversation you have and everything that happens to you, even the things that are unpleasant or not desired are data and information to help shape your new identity. And, and that is the approach that I, I live my life by. And, and it's what identity change is all about. It's not getting too stuck on thinking through having this perfect crystal vision for our lives. It's just going out in the world and doing and getting data and feedback and letting it be messy and being human. Does that resonate? Hell yeah, man. Thank you. Um, thank you for your time. Thank you for this. What I think we delivered on this. This was, this was part reflection, part coaching session. Um, and, and, uh, I want to thank everyone that tuned in today, uh, for coming along for this, for this ride, for this journey, for this conversation, definitely a unique one. Um, something that I'd like to do more of to bring in different people that I've worked with or, or that, you know, have had a big impact on my life and just kind of open up about what that process was like. Cause I, you know, I'd, I'd like to share that with you. So thank you. And thank you, Kenny. Um, and thank, thank you for putting on your armor and battling that traffic this morning. <laughs> and, uh, uh, well worth it, my friend. Thank you for this opportunity. It's a true gift to spend this time with you. I appreciate it. Thanks for tuning in to the foundations podcast series. Please leave us a review and subscribe. Want to reach out to me? Just find me on LinkedIn in the show notes below and I'd be happy to talk.